Welcome to Hope Talks, Stories of Transformation. Hope Talks is a project of David's United Church of Christ in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and dedicated to providing stories with different perspectives of hope. As part of a mentoring collaborative with Uganda Christian University's journalism program, today's interview is conducted by a student in Mukono, Uganda. Hello, everybody. This is Nicolette Nampija, a student at Uganda Christian University. Today with me, I'm having Dr. Sarah Namsoka, who will be telling us about herself shortly. But most importantly, she's here to share her perspective relating to hate speech. Welcome. Thank you very much, Nicolette. Good afternoon to all our listeners out there. I hope you're all well. I'm a lecturer at the Department of Journalism and Communication at Makere University, but previously I left Uganda Christian University, the Faculty of Journalism, Media and Communication. I hold a PhD in Media and Cultural Studies from the University of KwaZulu-Natal in Durban, South Africa. I teach courses on digital media, digital communication, print media design, editing and production, as well as computer-aided research. I'm a wife and a mother to a four-year-old daughter. I think that's it about me. So, Doctor, today we are going to be talking about hate speech and the fact that you have been to the journalism and mass communication side of it. I feel like you would be the best person to have answers to some of these questions that I have been having. You've told us about yourself, what you do, and you're a mother. So not everyone is so conversant with what hate speech is. I personally would um, interpret it in a different way. And as hoping you tell our listeners how best you define hate speech. A good place to start is with the United Nations or the UN. Interestingly, according to the UN, there is no legal definition of hate speech. However... They say that hate speech can be taken to mean any kind of communication, spoken or written, or behavior that attacks or uses discriminatory language to a person or a group of people on the basis of who they are in terms of religion, ethnicity, nationality, race, color, descent, and gender hate speech usually generates intolerance and hatred. It is expression that is verbal or written, and that is capable, therefore, of inciting hatred for an individual or group based on who they are. To bring it back to our topic today, which is hate speech and social media, I would say, therefore, that social media is simply a medium that can be used to carry hate speech, as we've defined it above. Still, regarding the same question I asked, you say social media is used as a way to deliver the hate speech. Do you think hate speech is a byproduct of social media or it is something on its own and people just use social media to deliver the hate speech? Hate speech preceded social media. And what we see now is social media amplifying hate speech. Why? Social media is available to almost everybody. It's so easy to use. It's available on our mobile devices, our smartphone tabs. Because of that, people are free usually to express themselves the way they want, the way they feel. And if you look at it in terms of hate speech, you'd see that hate speech is not necessarily a byproduct of social media. I would argue that it simply amplifies hate speech. We've seen hate speech more now because of 
uh, how social media affords audience to people. So Dr. is saying that hate speech was already there. It already existed. Today you're saying it's more on display because of social media. So how about uh, in the good old days, like how did people actually deliver the hate speech? Because back then, before the social media came through, how, how was hate speech? speech passed on. From my own experience, we had those jokes that our parents and our friends made about different tribes in Uganda. One thing to note for me is that you could easily say that hate speech in Uganda is mostly about ethnicity, but also recently we've seen hate speech to be about politics. In the past, it was the ethnicities, even though it played out in the politics as well. And so we had all these all these jokes, but also stereotypes passed on to us from our parents. There are examples that you could use. The former president of Uganda, Dr. Apollo Milton Obote, yeah. once said that a good Muganda is a dead one. You see, Apollo Milton Obote was from the northern part of Uganda. And here he was making this comment about another ethnicity in Uganda. So you can see that was a very strong statement. Maybe we can't tell what its effect was, but you could see that it had the potential to, to breed intolerance. It had the potential to breed hatred. So we see that hate speech back then was passed on in in forms like those. Um, growing up, we had our parents joke about things like the Baganda and the Banyoro. The Banyoro view the Baganda as collaborators with the colonialists. And so there was this, there are these jokes or these sayings around that. I forget what exactly they are, but something to do with, you know, like you're doing something like a Banyoro, maybe something ah. like that. So yeah, that's for me is, is from my own experience is is one of the forms that hate speech took uh, back then. Hate speech back then, was it punishable? Like, were there any punishment passed on? Like, maybe if they found you speaking ill of someone else, was there any sort of punishment? Or maybe it was lesser than so you didn't even get to hear people being punished. Interesting that you should ask that question because I can't even think about a law or a regulation around hate speech. Yeah, I think it was more of a moral thing. And if you grow up in a family where you were not told to love and respect others, then you grow up um, not caring about what you said about others. I can't quite say that it was regulated or not because I, I can't point at a specific law or provision in the law that, that would point to that. Perhaps you could say that in our constitution, we're all entitled to enjoying our freedoms and human rights, among others, feeling safe and secure within the boundaries of, of this entity called Uganda. So those are some of the few examples that I can point out in the law to cover hate speech, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't point at a punishment in the law. So yeah, that question brings us to our next question. So I've asked you about if back then there were any sorts of punishments, and then you're like, oh no, I can't put anything around that. But presently, mm -hmm. hate speech is everywhere. It's all over social media, social media pages where having people are attacking one another, friends, family, and you know, so since you're saying back then you can't say there are any laws that were regulating or 
controlling it? Can you like verify that maybe there are laws regulating that today? Because governments all over in different countries actually do have that. I mean, we've had some countries shut down the internet to control such things. So in our country here in Uganda, is there any way, any laws regulating it? Because I personally, I can't say I've seen one because if I had, I think maybe the hate speech people are experiencing would have declined or maybe we just something like that. Okay, uh, thank you. Currently, we have the most prominent law that covers hate speech that I can think of is to do with the computer, is the Computer Misuse Act is the law that they've used to arrest and charge people for the crime of hate speech if that is a crime in our country. So one of the provisions is that we shouldn't use computers or digital devices basically communicate hate about other people. So that is the, the one law that is currently used especially to cover this area. And this is important because as we've already said, hate speech is carried a lot social media which is basically a computer thing so this covers that area and it's most likely used to catch um, a number of people it's the most prominent law that i would say covers hate speech in the law right now okay that's some good information away from that we talk about self-freedom of expression all the time the right to speak up to be given a chance to say what you have to say now, do you think hate speech is a form of self-expression? Is it a human right? Because I would want people listening to this to know where exactly does hate speech fall. Is it really a form of expression? Does anyone actually have the right to just deliver hate unto others? Okay, you could say that it's a form of self-expression, a human right, therefore. But again, it's important to note that there's no absolute right. Yes, our constitutions give us rights, but we are supposed to enjoy those rights within certain limits. But also, rights come with responsibilities. You cannot enjoy your rights at the expense of another person's rights. So if you're going to enjoy your right of self-expression while inciting hatred towards another person, then... In my opinion, you should be stopped. But the thing is, social media allows people to say what they want without much restriction. That is why this is a very important vehicle in as far as forgetting hate speech is concerned. Because in terms of social media, if you say something and somebody calls you out, many times people respond saying, um, this is my space, my way. So if you're not happy with what I'm saying, you shouldn't respond to it or you should stop reading what I'm posting. So although posts can be pulled down, most Mm. of the time the damage has already been done. You know, what has been said has been been said. And yes, it's it's a it's a human right if you want to call it that way, but you cannot enjoy a right at the expense of another person. Yes. And we also need to know that um, if you're speaking from a Christian perspective, it's important to consider the other person before yourself. What if it were you? Would you want to be treated that way? A good example that you can think of here is the example of um, Stella Nyazi and the way she uses this very, very strong language to express herself. Yes, very strong language that is vulgar from where I am. But she has a point, yes, but goes on to say these things that actually 
I don't know if she intends it, but it's they very easily lead to in, um, to hatred of whoever she's referring to. A good example, really, is the way she described the first lady in one of her posts that actually led her to being arrested under the, the, the computer misuse. Yes, it's she expresses herself, she's gifted that way, but I think you need to be responsible even with the way you express yourself. Okay, um, that takes me back to the whole punishment question. How exactly do you think the laws or the government should handle people who conveying hate speech? How, yeah. how exactly would you suggest we go about people who are conveying hate speech? Um, that's a difficult one, actually, because there's no uh, there's no uh, particular approach that covers everything. Because, as you've said, yeah, social media as a driver of, of hate speech is, for me, the most difficult thing. One of the most difficult things that we've had to deal with in the 21st century. Why? Because as we've said, it's prevalent, it's everywhere. Many, most people have access to social media. You can't stop them. It's communication is instant, you know. Even when the post is pulled down, the damage most of the time has already been done. For example, people have seen your tweet, they've taken screenshots. So even when you delete that tweet, there's a record. Yeah, the internet does not forget to a very large extent. And so to deal with hate speech, I think for me, it should be on a case-by-case -case basis. Mm. It shouldn't be a blanket, a blanket approach. It should be on a case-by-case -case basis. But also, it's important that um, we, what, what is it, introspect? We, we look inwards as a society, even as government, and ask ourselves, what is it that is causing hate speech? Why okay. is it uh, so common now? What mm. has changed? What has gone wrong? And then we, add, we try and address the root cause of hate speech. Because many times, like I've said, a person like Stella Nyazi writes the things she does because she's fighting for social justice. You sure. see, her points are political. But you ask yourself, is that the best way to she put her do. point across? Perhaps as government, you need to, to address the issues that underlie hate speech, what is it? Because there are issues of social justice, there are issues of people feeling they've not been treated fairly. You know, there are all kinds of things. And now there's this whole discussion on social media about uh, how Uganda is a, a colonial entity. It was never meant to be. We were forced together by colonialism. We will uh. never be um, united and all that. Is that true? Is that, you know, so before we, we come up with a law to address this, look back, let's look at what's happening. Why? Why are we seeing an increase in hate speech? And then yeah. maybe try and address those issues. Um, and then eventually we'll have addressed the issue of hate speech. It does really make a lot of sense. And I hope maybe by the time by the time the government gets to think of it, it's not too late because currently it's more of my generation, the youth are more, and they, I feel like they're the people carrying on with a hate speech, spiking mm. one another. This one hits back, you know, bringing you down, tearing you apart. And in a way, it's like a game, but we don't get the fact that we are hurting one another and we mm. are hurting the people around us. So if only they get to realize how much damage this whole hate speech is causing.
maybe we would have a better generation tomorrow. Yes, I agree with you because the young people as they are these days have been told from a very early age that they have rights, but no one ever emphasizes the bit of the responsibilities. So in contrast with the way I was brought up, you listened and you did what you were told. You hardly ever spoke up unless, of course, it was going to hurt you or to injure you in certain ways, but you couldn't argue, you you couldn't talk back. You took instruction and followed it. But the young people now are bold. They ask questions. They say all these things. They are able to express themselves in very good language, using very good language. And so I think whereas we have trained our young people to be independent, to be all these good things that independence brings, we also need to start addressing the responsibilities that come with being a human being, also being an independent person. Because no man is an island. We need to address this deliberately. It needs to be deliberate. Somebody needs to start a conversation around it and not assume that we all know that it's wrong or it shouldn't be happening. Again, from my own experience, I used to think that hate speech was a thing in the developed countries, exactly because there it's in their laws, you know, it's very clear. And of course, when you look at their societies, there's reason for them to, to address that issue. Until recently, I didn't actually think that it was an issue, but now I know for sure that it's an issue. issue. (laughs) Definitely. Okay, Doctor, away from all that, driving us to the next question. Is hate speech a new phenomenon in Africa? Do you think it is as a result of culture erosion? Like, do you think it's as a result of culture erosion of African values brought about by modernity inspired by Western Cultural imperialism, which is fueled by media technology such as social media and social transformations like urbanization. Okay, um, to start with, Nicolette, I wouldn't say that it's new. Maybe we are seeing or hearing more of it. I've given you examples to do with the Baganda and the Banyoro. I also pointed out uh, how Milton Obote said a good Muganda is a dead one. What has changed is that one, we are now more aware of hate speech because we've been exposed to it um, at, a, at a grander scale, but also the conversations around social media, we find that the whole issue of um, hate speech has been amplified. Again, the examples that, or the jokes that our parents told about other tribes, some of them, personally, I can't even repeat some of the things that I've had be said about others, but I can tell that from those sayings, it's meant to actually ridicule and lead to a very strong feeling of hatred towards the other person. But of course, again, because of the modernity, as we've alluded to, the young people have been also exposed to these ideas of freedom and independence. And so they are able to express themselves many times without thinking about their consequences. And that includes hate speech. Uh, but to say that it's, it's, a, it's a direct result of urbanization, of modernity, of um, cultural erosion, I think to, to give so much credit to those things. I think it's been with us here, but these things have kind of amplified it with technology. Yeah, you said something, it's in an instant, all your followers, for example, on Twitter and Facebook know what you said. And there are these people, I I always wonder, there are people who you, for example, using your your WhatsApp status, Yeah. yeah? 
Yeah. You update your status and people respond almost immediately. Immediately. <laughs> I keep wondering, is there a notification that, you know, Sarah yeah. has updated her, her status? How come? Is it people are always fumbling with their phones? And so, so you know, it's instant and it goes out to, to so many people. So I wouldn't blame cultural erosion or modernity, urbanization, but maybe technology would take the biggest blame if we are to blame mm. it amplifies okay coming down to our last question do you think these are in times like an apocalypse where brother goes against brother and families wash their dirty linen and fight in public do you see a silver lining for future generations where what is seen as hate speech today and its social media vehicle may be a way of contributing positively to social harmony are there signs of hope? So again, I wonder when you say <laughs> apocalypse, okay, end times, mm -hmm. okay. Yes, uh, Jesus gave us the signs that we would see when the end times are coming. No one knows the hour nor the day. We just need to be prepared all the time. However, in respect of um, people turning against the other, you know, brother against brother, wife against husband, it could signal the apocalypse to a certain extent because we've never seen this kind of magnitude. It's never been this much before. And one is only left wondering whether mm, it's actually a clear sign that Jesus is about to come back because it's one of the things that he said. People have so much, they've bottled up so much for so long. Now it's all coming out. And because they have the space on social media to mm -hmm. express it, we see that it's, the effect is even is magnified even further. So to talk about the other issue of whether we can get anything good out of everything that's happening now, you could say we learn from history. If we don't have history, then many of the lessons that we, we have learned now, we wouldn't have learned. So history is important. And so maybe one day we will look back and say we don't want to be like those people for example, when I keep saying our parents made these jokes or our friends made these jokes, you know, yeah. it's because I experienced that and I can point to that and say, I don't want to be like that. I want to be different. So the role that this plays is that it gives us something to look back to and say, no, I don't want this. I want to be different. In some circles in the politics, it has been suggested that we need to have a national dialogue. Maybe we need to consider that. We need to have this discussion. Let people vent and then mm. we say, okay, I've heard you. Let those who must apologize, apologize. And then we move forward. Good could come out of it if we learn the lessons and act on mm. it. But if we don't, then no good. I hope everyone gets to learn from that. They keep on telling us to pray for a better tomorrow, a better Uganda. And it is still a dream. We just really hope it comes to life. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe we need to do more than pray. You know, we need to do more. We need to create that awareness as a church, as families. What are you doing as an individual about these issues? So I think it shouldn't stop at prayer. Prayer is good, yes. But even as you pray, listen. In we what should. direction is God taking you? We finally come to the end of this interview. Thank you, Dr. Sarah, for giving me this opportunity to interview you. You're welcome, Nicole. Hate speech is something really broad and 
of course, we may not have tackled everything, but I really hope that the few we have talked about may be of importance to the people that will listen to this. Other than that, Doctor, do you have any final remarks for us? Yes, what I would say is uh, to everyone out there, let's embrace the, the Christian principle of um, do to others what you'd like them to yeah, do to, to you. you. And don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. Mm. So put yourself in that person's shoes and think before you say anything, before you do anything. Okay, everyone, this has been Nicolette Nampita, a second year student at Uganda Christian University doing her bachelor's in journalism and mass communication. And we have been talking about hate speech with our very own Dr. Sarah Namusoga. If you have any comment about this podcast or an idea for a future podcast on a story of transformation, send an email to hoptops at davidsuck.net. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this segment of Hope Talks. I hope you join us again. And please encourage others to listen and check out other David's United Church of Christ programs at davidsucc.net. It is our hope that your day is filled with hope. Hope.